I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Summer is right around the corner and that's why I'm super excited to be talking with today's guest, Selena Calvaria, CMO of Away. You might know them for their luggage. And Away is a digitally native travel lifestyle brand. So Selena, welcome to CMO Moves. Thank you for having me. I just had my first nightmarish travel experience and honestly, it felt great. We're back. We're getting there. I can't wait to hear more nightmare (laughs) stories that everyone's going to be super thankful for. That's awesome. So what happened? Oh, you know, it was like your classic 10 hour delay to a canceled flight to your bags aren't coming to you tonight sort of situation, but we've all had one of those and it kind of like felt like a shred of normalcy. I felt fine about it. And how was kind of the general vibe in the airport? The airport was humming. People were happy. They were kind they were in the bars, they were in the restaurants, they were exchanging notes. There was a ton of away bags, which I was happy to see. Um, And then, and then some of the frustration set in later in the day, but overall it was like, (laughs) super positive. Everyone was, everyone seemed like so thrilled to be 
in an airport. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm down here in Florida um, where I'm based. And yeah, I can't wait to see what summer turns out to be like. Well, Selena, again, thank you for joining us. Super excited to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better and for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So let's start with your role as CMO at, at Away. You did not start as CMO at Away. You actually joined the company three years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And you started as VP of brand. You went on to be SVP of brand and then last year you transitioned into the CMO role. So let's start there. Tell us about that kind of three-year adventure and specifically what it's been like to start your first CMO role in the middle of a ginormous pandemic. Just touch on that a little bit. if Yeah, just that little thing we're all going through. (laughs) No, I mean, it's been an incredible experience. I was so drawn to coming to a way to begin with, to join a brand-led organization so clearly, so from the outside with a fantastic product. And what I wanted to bring to the business was classic brand management, general management type of training and apply that to a brand that needed to put that infrastructure in, in order to scale and become the next huge brand that we all, you know, it becomes a household name. And I was the very first VP of brand marketing. The, the brain trust um, of the brand had sat rightfully so with the founders of the company. And in thinking about how do you take your business to the next level, it's how do you institutionalize the brand? How do you codify it? And how do you make it something that everyone within the company knows how to use and how they can apply it to their work and how everyone can be a brand holder and a brand owner as the business scaled. So my work in my first year with the company was we were growing like a rocket ship and it's like, what do we stand for? What is a key thing we want a consumer to take from us? And how does our brand actually lead our company strategy? So we did a ton of that work in terms of infrastructural foundations around the brand. The second piece was really thinking about how does brand drive business? We know it does. We're a brand-led company, but how did we start to put that into measurable terms? And so working across growth marketing and creative, we became like a trinity of leaders who did not, were never seen apart because everything we had to do was together and we all had to drive results and we were all accountable for the revenue of the business and how effective our marketing was. And so That was just a really interesting type of fast-paced, nimble environment to come into. And what that scaled into is was moving into that next role as SVP of brand was okay, we have we know what we stand for. We want to become a brand-led business. And so now how do we take brand and transform not just the marketing department, but how do we transform the entire company? And I in that role, I took on product marketing, I took on CX. And started to own a much wider swath of how does the customer experience and the product experience become a reflection of the brand that we are. And so with that, continuing to work across growth and creative, but brand started to pull out as something that we wanted operations to internalize. We wanted the people team to internalize. We wanted product development to internalize. It became much bigger than really a team, if you will. In my latest role as CMO, I mean, I'm so thrilled to have all the functions of marketing as under my umbrella. And my singular goal is to continue the philosophy around integrating strategies and integrating accountability and results across every leader of the team. So doing that in a pandemic is actually the perfect time because your marketing strategy, especially in the first six months where no one's traveling, the information is moving so quickly. 
the brand posture needs to continuously be at the forefront in the right, thoughtful, sensitive way to ever, to the community and to the public is we had to be in lockstep because if one piece didn't move in the right way, that could really damage our brand and damage what we stood for and had been building all these years. So I saw it as a perfect opportunity to, they call it kind of fixing the pipes, never waste a good crisis. And we brought everything in together. We redeveloped our, our processes, how we work together, and we just moved in lockstep. So it's been a fantastic journey. Um, the company has had explosive growth. And even as a pandemic has set us back, I feel like in many ways it's driven us forward. So I'm really excited for the next few months. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Would you look at the past year, or at least when, when you took on the role of CMO in the midst of all of this, for a travel brand, right? How, did you look at the years kind of like, let's take a step back. It's a reset year. Did you look at it as let's do long-term planning? Like what would, what would you say is the biggest focus that you came into the role having? Yeah, I would say it's a bit of both. I think resetting in terms of how do we all work together? How do we want to work? What does this uh, brand stand for? Are we all still aligned? What is the last year taught us? That would be the first phase. We focused on refreshing our brand strategy, taking the new world order and taking our customer insights and what we expect to happen after the pandemic and making sure that we were future-proofed and that we stood for what we wanted to stand for. We refreshed our company values. So we used the brand strategy to refresh like how we operate as a team. And we reiterated and recommitted to our company vision. So that was a lot of the kind of infrastructure and reset work that we did throughout the pandemic. That being said, in many ways, as I mentioned, like it drove us forward. We had to focus on marketing our products in occasions that we hadn't heavily invested in, like road travel. We wanted to focus even more on our bags assortment and less from our luggage, which we're famous for and everyone knows us for, but we make incredible bags and accessories. And with people taking short trips, it, it forced us to start talking about those more than we ever have. We doubled down on e-commerce and in a time when retail and those types of physical experiences weren't there. How did we start to create digital experiential and social events and making sure our community still felt that they were with us? I guess when I think about it, we fixed and refreshed everything we had been wanting to do. And then we focused on so much opportunity that we had over the last year that it actually helped not only maintain community love, but build it. And we've seen that as evidence through kind of some of our recent results that the brand lovers stayed with us even though they couldn't travel. Yeah. And I want, I can't wait to dive in more about how those pivots, major pivots are impacting how you're, how you guys are looking at this coming year, this coming summer, right? Right around the corner. But Mm -hmm. first going back to your journey to CMO prior to away, right? You were in booze for a while. Tell us about Mm -hmm. what you've taken from your roles at both Diageo and AB to then come into this role in travel and and what were some of the biggest kind of impactful moments or takeaways from those prior roles? Yeah, both incredible companies. I think when I decided to pursue a career in marketing, um, it was really important to me to work in a, in a category, in an industry that was highly emotional, highly culturally driven, lifestyle oriented, and that people really treasured and valued kind of as part of their everyday experience. And so I was fortunate to pursue a career in uh, the alcohol business as kind of more my foray into marketing. And I think Diageo is such a fantastic, classic brand building organization, really teach you uh, the art of writing a brief, 
creative development, media planning, um, as well as innovation. And I was really excited by everything happening there when an opportunity at AB came my way, which was to lead their portfolio um, of flavored malt beverages. So a, a really fun part of the business in which they were looking to move against kind of wine and spirits, which I thought was just like a really interesting strategic setup that I wanted to be a part of. And the thing I was excited about and attracted about going there was how business oriented they were. Very much the accountability sits with brand brand leaders in terms of driving top line and bottom line results, how efficiently you spend your money, everything that runs. I always joke with people from your pricing analysis to your Super Bowl spots, you are accountable for the full gamut. And I was just really excited and energized by the business accountability and orientation, the way they saw brand. And so those two experiences, I felt like within the same industry were almost two sides of the coin in many ways. But something that I felt had been missing, I think foundationally, is that all the brands that I had worked on. So at Diageo, I worked on Bailey's briefly. I worked on Smirnoff Ice, primarily in Parrot Bay, like a lot in the flavored spaces. And then moving to Anheuser-Busch, where I worked on the Rita franchise, the original Spike Seltzer, and a few other things. They were all brands that targeted women, that targeted multicultural consumers. They knew that their consumer was more digitally native rather than traditional media focused. And all of those things I was doing was really pushing up the grain of what marketing and alcohol looks like. Mm -hmm. And so when I looked kind of to my right and all these different brands were growing adjacently to alcohol and really in all types of industries, but really building brands in new, different and innovative ways, I, it sparked to me is I am so excited about everything that I do in the beer business and how do I take that and bring it to a company where kind of going against the grain and doing things differently is part of the business model. And, and so that was kind of what led me in my transition. And were there any, I mean, I have to imagine coming from that kind of traditional brand background for these established companies and brands, was there any hesitation with going from that to a digitally native brand like Away? I certainly didn't know what I didn't know, but I think the things that I was ready for was pace, risk-taking, creative risk appetite for sure. Marrying that business accountability with brand as driving company strategy and brand really embedded in the entire company. So I was ready for that. I think what I wasn't ready for was all the different facets and touch points of the customer experience that we are much more in control of right. when you're working at kind of a traditional uh, wholesale type business. Mm -hmm. And with that just came an exciting degree of meticulousness and thoughtfulness with which we had to program the entire customer journey, not just the advertising part, if right. you will. And so I learned that quickly. And it was, it was certainly fun to, uh, to help solidify and, and bring to life. Awesome. And, you know, I'm going to force you to take me way back because I know okay. you have an interesting educational background leading to this brand role. So you went to school for finance and art. Is that right? It is. That's awesome. Okay. So tell us about that. That's got to come in handy today. First of all, the, the marriage of the art and the science, but I'm curious how, what you originally sought out for yourself in the, in your time in college and recently graduating to what led you to, to where you are today. I entered college as like thinking I was a math whiz. That's always what I had been. And I wanted to be an economics major. So apply that to 
practical things, um, not just formulas. And as I started taking classes like across kind of a liberal arts education, I discovered art and I was so excited to see how politics, like socioeconomic issues, economics, everything you can imagine that was happening in any time is perfectly reflected through a piece of art from a visual standpoint. And I was like, I, I feel like there, I have a calling in a different place and consistent with what we were recently talking about as far as my work experience in terms of pushing against the grain. I've always been that type of person who just wanted to be different and to pave my own path, if you will. I told the art department, I was like, I'm coming, I'm going to major in art, in archaeology. And then I told the economics department that we'll keep the finance part of the degree and which is a, a formal certificate program. And then that I wanted to marry the two of them. And I was the only one in my class who pursued that. And it was hard to find an advisor, honestly, who could help put together the left and right brain of the work. But it was really exciting. I think that's where I discovered the business of creativity and how business is reflected through creativity and particularly looking at kind of modern and contemporary art. So I always had that on the brain. I would say in all the all the CMOs we've talked to on the show and just in the community in general, very few went to school for marketing, right? There's a lot of either heavy math finance or heavy kind of art, more artistic degrees. So that is so interesting. Moving on to like more mentorship. Has there been any standout mentorship moments or people <clears throat> throughout your career who have helped lead you to where you are today? I've been lucky to have many mentors in my life and it's important to me as a leader to be mentored to, mentors to others, but there is two that really stand out to me in my marketing career. And the first was at Diageo. He was the CMO of kind of the Diageo beer group. He was thought provoking and really pushed to get the best of people. And he spent an inordinate amount of time coaching me and like getting deep insights out of my brain um, onto paper and really made me a critical thinker. The most, I think, memorable experience was, it was my first like really big brief in front of a huge like cross-functional agency group. And he sent me a note. He like scribbled a note and passed it all the way across the room to me. And I opened it and it said, be big in the room. I mean, the level of confidence that gave me not just in that meeting, but the way I, I think about that as a leader today is, to always make sure your voice is heard. If you have something to say, if you have a question, like speak up and don't stew on it. <laughs> Just continue to leverage your voice and it's powerful voice in order, no matter what level you are or what part of the company you're in, that you should enable that voice. And then the second leader was the CMO actually at Anheuser-Busch. He used to call me the eccentric one and that I was quirky. And I loved that. Because it felt like, I felt like he got me. We talked about being different, but not for different sake, but different with purpose. He always saw that. And he would defer to me on a lot of creative questions and cultural insights because he was like, Selena has the pulse on those things. And he really made me feel like I was a special and integrated part of the organization, a different part, a different brain than a lot of the people who worked there. And I loved that level of confidence and mentorship that he gave me in order to continue to be my authentic self. That's something I strongly support as a leader on my own team. 
I love that. Never underestimate the power of a good little handwritten note. I will tell you, mm-hmm. whether from your mom in your lunchbox as a kid or your significant other or a mentor, I mean, they're, they're powerful. We're just about to kick off our third round of the Executive Mentor Program. I'm so excited because the just what's come from that program as far as just not only the mentor and mentee relationships, but also kind of the horizontal, the mentees, cross-mentoring and peer-mentoring each other. And they have their own community, their own Slack channel where they just talk all day long. It's really fantastic. Tell us a little bit about what you're super excited about going into summer. I know you all have some really fun things in the works and some things you just released. Just share a little bit about that. Yeah, I think about the past year has been three phases for us. So the first was really a focus on community support, providing a sense of escapism, and not talking about travel, just really being um, a trusted like friend and community member to our audience. I would say the second phase last summer and into the fall was really supporting the way that people were moving, which was taking shorter trips. It was even to the grocery store felt like a trip, honestly, it, d- it did to me. And making sure like all those moments of movement were really celebrated and that we, our products were positioned to be, to make those things easier and to give you a kind of a, a calming sense of mind. And then the third phase was really once the vaccine was announced, we started to see something on the horizon that we could all get excited about. And that's where inspiration kicked back in. That's been about really acknowledging the situation. We're all not ready to travel yet, but we all have travel on the brain. And so how do we really excite people and get them excited about planning and being continue to be sensitive to the moment? And we've launched kind of a number of products in order to play into that. Most recently, back in April, we launched our our first kind of foray into travel wellness products. So these are just like products that provide a sense of comfort and peace of mind. So think travel blanket, eye mask, neck pillow, face mask, of course, everything that gives you that sense of comfort and security while you're traveling. And the way we positioned that campaign was also, they were perfectly well at home. If they're designed for travel, they're even better to have in your own home. As we all know, we've started to inch towards that conversation. What we have coming up though, for the return to travel is moving into action. It's getting people very concrete recommendations. So we recently did like a content campaign where we worked with a bunch of our content creators around the world and they created city guides to their own city, right? So like the first ways people are going to get out is like exploring what's close by them and giving really concrete, specific recommendations on how people can do that kind of curated and edited uh, by way and our partners. And then what we move into kind of this summer is... We are, we're back full force. We have collaborations. We have uh, camp global campaigns that really support that we're all better when we travel. And we've been waiting for a year to get back out there. And then we have a slew of new products ready for the second half of the year to continue to build the assortment and to tell that story around the brand. Something that has come up a lot, and I would say more so towards like more back in the fall than now, but kind of that notion of as brands, right? What is the phrase? With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, exactly. That notion of, you know, as brands, we do have the power to, it's a balance of listening to what the consumer, like where their head's at, but also kind of setting that tone. So how, as a, as a CMO, have you really taken that lens for travel in providing guidance for your team on things like how to, what type of imagery should we use? And should we, how far should we push the inspiration? Are are people really ready for that? Or can we make them ready for that? I'm just curious because 
again, your brand is in a unique position when it comes to something so monumental as travel that's been impacted. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. And I think a, a conversation we have nearly daily because the zeitgeist and the conversation, yeah. the piece of news comes out and all it impacts like how we want to speak that day or the next day or that week to our customers. But we have always been so community and consumer driven that our community is not shy in telling us how they feel as well, that it, it was a very continuous and iterative process, with the, which is like hearing what customers were saying back to us, what they were tagging us in, understanding what a lot of the influencers we work with, like how are they talking uh, to their community? The main position we wanted to take is that we are not here to say whether you should travel or should not travel, but we're here to say that travel is important in your life. And sometime in the future, we will all be able to do it again together. So finding that tone. So if you found like something that was like really heavy on the inspiration, for example, from a, from an imagery perspective, the copy would reflect that opposite tonality, which is where are we all going to be in six months and kind of pose that question back to the community and let them respond. For us, we were just able to strike that balance, but it took a lot of work and it, it continues to take a lot of work to make sure that we get it right. I'm sure. And on that note, like just thinking about social, right. And like, mm -hmm. so, so one of our, one of our collaboration team topics is all around the elevated role of marketing as a whole. And I think as part of that and community is another one social just has been thrust to the forefront, right? Like the company's megaphone and also a way to get consumer voices in. How at a way have you guys been really leaning into social differently than you were maybe a year ago? Yeah, it's super interesting because we're as a digitally native brand, like social has always been the cornerstone of our communication strategies. But I think more so in the past year is exactly what you said, which is that social has served to be the external filter for every team at a way that needs to say something externally, whether that's around our diversity, um, equity and inclusion initiatives to our uh, retail opening hours, like all of that needs to be funneled through social because that's where our community is. So I have, our team is best in class. They are tremendous they eyes and ears, not only to the ground, but like their heads are on swivels able to make sense of everything that's happening at once and translating it into a tone for our audience. So everything that you said, yes. And, and then some for us, because it's, it's just been so critical to our strategy the whole time. It's just talking about team holistically, marketing team, social, any major changes or pivots coming out of last year that you all think is, this is actually a good way forward. Any key learnings you can share there from a team setup? Our team, we are so fortunate. We have world-class creative organization, brand, PR, and growth on the acquisition and retention sides. But I think the, the thing that we got a lot more disciplined about over the past year is when to pull each of our levers in a more considered way. To elaborate on that is when you're growing so fast and there's so much pressure on everything, it feels like everything that we do needs to hit at a million different goals. What we learned in the past year is that being more specific with what is the task at hand, what is the business objective, what are we trying to achieve, and then pulling the right levers across the team has actually given us much stronger results than trying to run everything at once. Yeah. And so I think it's a bit of a, just like a more thoughtful and considered take with how we do things. And that's given our team all different types of new opportunities as well.
do you have, I'm assuming a mix of both partners on the outside, external, internal to support the marketing function? We actually have a full creative agency in-house. So yeah, we concept and create everything ourselves. We brought on our first ECD in September. His name is Tim Rohn. And that team is so innovative and so fresh that they're always have a pulse on, on how the brand comes to life. And just on that note of teams, what do you think are the skills, the necessary skills for the CMOs of the future? There's a lot of conversation that I hear in CMO communities around, are you a brand person or a growth person? I'm sure you've heard that many times. And I truly believe um, in the power of brand to drive company strategy and business results. And I do not think there is a trade-off at all. I think when everyone rallies behind that thing that is bigger than any one team. In many ways, I think about the ultimate brand manager of a company as the CEO. But when you have an organization that's really rallied behind that concept, you hire the right people across all different parts of the business and they come together to achieve things that are even bigger um, than what you imagined. I think CMOs for the future, A, they need to make sure that if they're supporting a brand-led business, that they're able to build that relationship across their peers and that they have buy-in from their CEO, that it becomes part of the company strategy. And then when it becomes part engendered into the marketing organization is being very clear that everyone's goals are the same and that we're pulling different levers at different times. CMOs need to be able to be fluent in all of those in order uh, to pull the, to do the right thing and to drive those results. Do you think that there have been times in your career that you can look back and say, I didn't quite follow that expected rule, or I I broke a rule that typically CMOs would follow or brand leaders would follow? I think the first one was um, something at Anheuser-Busch around a creative campaign on Limerita, which is a really fun brand to work on. One of the first brands in their portfolio to ever exclusively target women. There was a campaign that we came to the table with, which leveraged, it used all senior women as a way to speak to younger women. And some of the ad steps that we had and that we tested showed that it might not work. Like we weren't, we didn't think it would work. And especially companies with a very heavy bias to testing, take a lot of those results as what we should do. And I think as a team, and as we started to share the work around the company, it really resonated with people. And we just had like that right gut uh, intuition that it was, that it was the right work to do. So we did it. We put it on air. It was the top performing creative in the category and they've sustained the campaign for a few years. So I think at the time that was seen as really novel, especially in the beer business to be featuring, not at, basically to not just reflecting who your target is in a mirror. And to really be looking at that from an emotional standpoint. That's tough, right? When you have insights at your fingertips, when you have data, that's probably one of the other big debates. You mentioned one earlier, the brand versus growth. I think the insights versus kind of gut feeling and art is another one of the longstanding debates of a marketer and probably will never end. I like to lean into tension. I think that's what gets to the best work. And that's um, something I deliberately build into how I lead my teams, but it's certainly not always easy. Another example though on that was 
as someone who's as brand protective as I am, as you would expect I would be at a way we decided that we were going to have our first ever sale was very nervous for us to pursue that. You can ask anyone at a way. It's just something we had never done. There's a lot of brands who leverage it and really devalues what they do, but we did it. And the way we briefed it in for our own marketing team was to treat it like the biggest, most incredible event party that you've been invited to. And that um, it has the same like creative and design and tone standards of everything that we do. And that's how we're going to bring it to life. Not like everyone, how everyone else treats a sale. And so we did that and we went heavy on PR, like heavy on social, like channels that we would treat for like campaigns we used for a sale. And that sale delivered Black Friday and Cyber Monday of the past five years combined. Holy cow. And that Mm -hmm. was when? In September. Wow. So that was just like such evidence of what we have been able to sustain from a brand standpoint for the last nine months when people aren't traveling. Yeah, I was going to say further proof that people have been hungry for it, right? They're gearing up. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And that we had uh, maintained their love and attention throughout that whole time. That is awesome. Very, Mm -hmm. very cool. I'm excited to see what you have in store for summer. And I want to ask you the final question, which of course is, getting to know what you would be if you were not a CMO of a way or a CMO at all, I should say. I loved this question when I saw it. I think there's a lot of directions that it could have gone, but I think I would have ended up as a, like an art advisor, really marrying like how one of the things I looked at in my thesis was looking at how investment in art versus investing in the S&P or like how you mutual fund performance, like all different ways in which people could achieve uh, outsized returns through art portfolios. And I think applying that type of thinking to the art world would have been very interesting many years ago. And I guess now with NFTs, I don't know, right? new world order. Wow. Of course you would find a way to combine your two degrees in that thesis. That's, I've yeah. never heard anything even related to that. That's very cool. And, and I like your art behind you, by the way. It's oh, thank you. <laughs> well, Selena, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been great talking to you. And yeah, thank, just thank you to you and your team for continuing to um, give us all a little bit of inspiration and, and something to look forward to. No, thank you. We're, we're so excited and I, we hope to see everyone in an airport sometime soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Selena. Take thank care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.